Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today, I have Ramsey Swice, the founder and president of Akaba, a tech-driven agency that brings consumers and brands together through high-impact tactical digital marketing strategies and personalized online experience. Welcome, Ramsey. Hi, Josh. So uh, naturally, I have to ask and, and open up with, uh, do you have any kind of story or anything around the name, how you got to it, anything like that? Yes. Interesting you ask. Um, back in the, the dot-com bust or boom in uh, 2000, um, I uh, left the Bay Area and decided to go away on a scuba diving trip in uh, the port of Aqaba, Jordan, and um, trying to figure out what the rest of my career is going to look like. So what I did, um, I went ahead and and was just in deep thought, a transcendental thought, and I, and I looked over to my left, and there was a sign that says, Welcome to Aqaba. And then that was it. So I, I came up with uh, Aqaba Technologies at the time, um, it just, uh, it just hit me right then and there and, uh, problem solved. Then when I returned home, I was anxious to, uh, start, uh, working on, uh, building out my agency, uh, from my living room. And, uh, here we are today as a result. I'm showing my cards a little bit here, but did you have any kind of story about how you guys picked the branding and everything? Yes. So, so in our, in our office, once we outgrew, my home, we went through a, uh, a branding uh, challenge. And what we did is we didn't like the logo, but it was just something to start. So we had 72 renditions of that logo at the time. And um, we have a long, narrow hallway from our front entrance to the back of the office where the sales and the operations were. And um, down that hallway, we had taped eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper all along the sides of the walls, the sides of the um, cubicle partitions. Um, and each day, our team, as they entered, they walked from the front to the back. You would pass by these 72 renditions, which I still have each and every single one of them, by the way, from 2004. And we would just check off which one really stuck out the most, or which ones stuck out the most. And then over time, it just, it narrowed down to two and um, they were close, but um, similar in, in design, and, but close in count in terms of check, check marks. And we chose the logo that we have today. Uh, I love that. Um, did you, have you done that with any other practice, whether it's in the company, whether it's with your kids, like have you applied that anywhere else? It just hit me because I knew I was on to something. We were originally a search engine marketing company doing PPC and Google had just, uh, you know, incorporated not very, you know, long before then. And um, things were simple, flat design, and I wanted it to be similar. Um, but the thought of simple, I, I, was, I was challenged with, with simple. I wanted everything to be elegant and overly eye-catching and, and meaningful. So 
I've learned to trim it back and keep things simple. I follow a similar process, but we don't need 72 renditions. We, we've narrowed it down. That was just me, on, you know, being overkill as what I'm known for, for doing. <laughs> uh, that kind of makes me think of the Starbucks logo. I think it's, it's the first Starbucks logo is like this incredibly complicated thing. Yeah. Uh, um, and then, you know, over time, it just gets like absurdly simple. Um, so I don't know if that's a tie, but, um, okay, cool. Uh, so let's take a step back then. And, uh, can you just tell me more about the firm? Yeah. So Aqaba Technologies of today solves problems unique to the internet marketing and, um, web design user experience world. So our philosophy is to provide meaningful user experiences on the, the various different viewports and devices. And in doing so, there needs to be relevance. So the audience needs to be clearly defined, the goals and outcomes need to be clearly defined, which call for a slew of scientific uh, worksheets that we've perfected over time uh, and constantly evolving. Um, and, and that's what I really take great pride in. This, this is the agency who we are as of today and uh, um, having, having this collective um, thought process from our team invested in these worksheets have, have really simplified and um, narrowed the uh, focus on the goals and outcomes as a result. So wait, did you, did you have a process before these worksheets? Uh, were they from the beginning? Like, how did you come up with these worksheets? The, the worksheets, it evolved into a formal worksheet. It used to be just a questionnaire. And then the, the more uh, intuitive and sophisticated the internet and the internet audience has become. Um, and the uh, saturation of social and paid and organic you know, platforms that we all are aware of today, including emails, we get bombarded um with data it's just overload on a daily basis it, it needs to be meaningful there has to be a purpose-driven brand in terms of of online we're 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 a non-traditional agency we don't we have no experience in traditional media it's it's all digital and it's all driven by data so that's where we really invest and focus our efforts in and how did you guys end up getting your first customer or set of customers. Yeah, it was uh, actually we were working on a referral basis. Um, the prior company that I I left when I decided to part ways and uh, go off on my own, um, a, a lot of those folks followed me where I wherever I went and ended up and um, and ended up uh, becoming loyal clients, which many of them we still have to date. So. How Obviously, that's like a great way to start a firm, not just with one client. And a lot of times we're hearing stories of usually it may be someone in their old job or it's a friend that just needed help. And then that kind of sparked their idea. Um, but I, obviously, it's very nice to just kind of move in that direction with your first customers. But more importantly, how are you getting new business? Well, back then it was the wild, wild west, right? It was simple. Competition uh, was was very thin. Um, and uh, for, for our agency and for me personally, to make sure that everyone is busy and earning a living and happy, we said, 
yes to everything and then f figured out some of it, you know, along the way. And the, the more um, the, the more experience we had over time, the more sophisticated our customer base became and we kind of pulled away from saying yes to everything and became more select and precise. And even to this day, we, we turn away work for several reasons. One, if, if we can be of benefit and help them, great. If we get along and we uh, are a good pair, um, we'd love to work with them. And, um, and if we feel that we can't deliver meaningful results, we just turn them away. We're fortunate enough to be in this position because we're very busy. We have a, uh, a very deep roster of, of clients, loyal clients and friends, and, um, and, and we cherish that. So, you know, why, why try to fix something that's not broke? Um, was there a moment that you thought you could make that change, essentially going from always saying yes to being a little bit more selective? Efficiency, profitability, um, the, the randomness of some clients once a year, you know, update my website. Um, they, you know, they, they didn't have the budget for advertising. They didn't get the internet. So it became more and more of a challenge and more time spent uh, trying to not convince, but persuade them to take the risk and trust. So after a while, you know, you knock on so many doors, you, uh, you decide sooner than later, hopefully, you decide to kind of find a path uh, to least resistance and align yourself with the right people and, and clients and friends. Right. And you mentioned, uh, I don't know if it was jokingly or, or literal, but you mentioned outgrowing your home uh, when the agency first started. So I guess, you know, when was that moment also? And who were your first hires? Was, you know, was there a mistake in hiring? Uh, can you speak a little mo bit more towards that? My first hire was my biggest mistake. And uh, yeah, it was the, the worst decision I had, I had made. Every other uh, bad decision I made was far <laughs> less, uh, you know, That's a laugh. impact on our business. But yeah, and I learned quickly. Um, I learned how to delegate and hold people accountable and teach them to hold themselves accountable and that there's a bar and that you're failing the clients and you're failing your team. Um, if you don't deliver, if you're not on point and not attentive to the client needs, right? It's, also, higher education too. The constant, you know, need to um, to to feed uh, yourself with 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 knowledge and increase your knowledge base. Because the the more knowledgeable that you become, the more knowledgeable your team becomes from a, a knowledge base sharing standpoint. And then your clients are the benefactors, and you have a job as a result. Uh, well, speaking of higher education, um, I think, you know, looking at your LinkedIn, I thought it was very interesting that I, I believe you you went to community college, but you did not go to a four year or grad school. Um, did you have an option of doing that? You know, is there is there anything that you felt like you're missing? Is there anything that gave you more motivation? How did that impact your, your career? I, I had personal reasons um, for my lack of, of completing my four year degree and who knows, maybe beyond. Um, not that I'm against education, but I, at the time, I was not fortunate enough to be able to afford to go to school, you know, and get my four-year degree. 
um, I uh, was head of household and and took care of my family as best as I could. So I, I put everyone else first. And um, by chance, you know, I excelled in the automotive industry as a design engineer and got into production and, and learned how to work with very tight tolerances and timelines, project management, all the skill sets that that I adhere to today as a result. Um, and our agency's uh, uh, foundation of, of project management and product delivery and output kind of follows, almost mirrors the same process that, that I was groomed um, through in my upbringing in the automotive uh, career, early on in my career. And now you uh, are a board member of several organizations. You were uh, actually like an instructor at, was it the community college or was it Oakland, I think? Oakland University, uh, Oakland, Michigan, yes. So how did that, those two positions, whether it's the board member and or being an instructor, how did that impact uh, your job today? You know, whether it's management skills or, or whatever it is. Yeah, so I, I served at the time and still do. Uh, I was co-chair and chair of the International Services Business Advisory Committee to Automation at Alley, and it had um, uh, been comprised of uh, business professionals, board members, executives, um, instructors, business administrative deans, um, uh, and of the likes, and in a presentation that my team put together for the uh, Automation Alley board, um, we were sharing data analysis, analytics, trending data, and the importance of it, and um, the, the late uh, Ravi Parmeswaran, who was the dean of the um, business administration to OU approached me and said, hey, we're trying to de develop and mature the curriculum and, and digital marketing. And, you know, we'd, we'd like to talk to you. And I declined because I was just busy growing my business. And I, you know, I was serving other boards. I was on the East Michigan District uh, Council, which is basically the, the Commerce Department um uh, a division of the Commerce Department supported by the Commerce Department, U.S. Commerce Department. And 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 then I just met with him for lunch one day and and he was sharing with me some of the challenges they had. And I looked at their curriculum, the syllabus and their books, and I was not very impressed at all. I said, well, if 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 I were to do it, I would I would request, a, you know, under the contingency of a request of having new books and rewrite the syllabus, which he agreed, he already had that in mind on the syllabus, but the book, you know, it was in, it was, it was all in euros. It was in metric system. And so you can tell it was a European, you know, um, a book meant for the European market, educational market. And, and so we, we went through things and in, in my presentation, I defined what would become a, a protocol for uh, the undergrad program and rewrote the syllabus, chose the books. I became an instructor. The uh, graduate level professor sat in on a class and um, got what I was trying to do and, and then approached me and I was doing that part time. So I kind of had my arm twisted and decided to help him teach and, and develop a similar type program for graduate level students. Mm -hmm. Right. And in that program, 
uh, we did the same thing and uh, um, it was well received and they did quite well. I did that for two and a half years. And, and then I, I passed the torch to one of my students who was a graduate and an intern of mine um, from OU. He actually taught, the, I believe it was an undergrad class that he sat in on. And I recruited him for an internship. And then, you know, now he, he may still be um, teaching and participating with OU. So you had the business, uh, you were teaching, and then you're a board member. Uh, how the heck have do you manage your time? I was single at the time, and uh, and you know, and, and I'll do it. <laughs> if, if that answers your question, yes, and then yes. I met my wife, and things kind of tapered down quickly after that. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I think in my in my next life. I would probably uh, teach, or when I retire, I would probably teach at some level. I really, I really enjoyed being able to um, help folks, you know, establish a career um, and and apply real world practices, and not just you know textbook driven, which becomes dated the moment that book is printed. It's dated. That was a, that was a very very big finding in in um, my research with the university. Did you have any tricks of the trade when it comes to managing your time or you just kind of, it was, you know, as long as your day was scheduled, then you just follow the schedule? Well, it, it evolves on an ongoing basis. Basically we have a presence in the middle East and uh, big in, in Dubai. Um, we, for myself, I start off my day checking my emails and um, a chat, um, uh, app that we use with our team in Dubai. And that's the first order of business because we're overlapping. So usually around, I, I am an early bird. I wake up about 4.35 o'clock-ish uh, each morning. And um, I'll spend the first hour just kind of delegating tasks and, and supporting our team abroad. Then my calendar, I go through and I, you know, I fill in my calendar. I also have appointments that are being made from the different time zones. We have clients all over the globe. So I'll oversee that and make sure that I've got my day planned and scheduled ahead in advance while I'm having my first cup of coffee. Uh, and, and then when I uh, make it into work, immediately pounding out emails and uh, placing calls and um, supporting our team. So delegating delegation is key when you get to that point. Uh, customers all are, all over the globe. Um, what kind of differences do you see or do you have to implement in the different countries? Is there? Well, everyone wants you know the same outcome, the same result. Their goals are are economically driven. Um, you know, it, it's not about scheduling appointments or visits to the website, those days are, are done. Anyone that's thinking along those lines should really rethink their approach. Um, it's monetary outcome, return on ad spend. Um, there may be a variance in culture, maybe a variance in language, um, mostly English speaking, and uh, the results are pretty much the same. So it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And the same philosophy and practice we implement in all of our product builds and uh, marketing. There's some cultural learning, which that, usually, the, you know, the worksheets are the, the same process 
it's just a matter of uh, understanding uh, regionally uh, how our ad copy will work, how our designs will work. A lot of a lot more A/B testing, which you should be doing regardless, whether you're you're localized or not, and and constant refinement. Same question for uh, industries. You know, marketing for different industries. Do you find that there's huge differences, or is there a lot of similarities? Well, I get bored by niching up. Um, that's when things become, uh, you know, in the form of a template and you're not forced to think because it's kind of done for you. And um, those folks are a dime a dozen. That's just me personally. That's 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 my outlook on that. So but we, we do have a depth of knowledge, a vast depth of knowledge in the automotive industry, manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, um, technology, SaaS. Um, some e-commerce, um, healthcare, medical, um, vanity, so plastic surgery, um, invasive surgeries. Uh, I would so, say like gastric, you know, gastric bypass, lap band sleeve, very big in that, uh, plastic surgery. Um, high price ticket items tend to uh, bear results quicker, more profitable. Uh, we kind of lean more towards those. But then there's also the challenges where it's a branding initiative. It's not, a, it's, you know, the metrics that are followed are not sales. It's how do we get to the point of preparing for, you know, lead flow or sales. So we take a reverse engineering approach to that, work our way back to step one and then build it out. Um, so it, it, it all depends. It all depends on the industry. It all depends on uh, a vertical. Sometimes within an industry, there's variation between verticals in the, within the same industry. It, it's That's where the worksheets come into play and kind of help prop you up on a foundation that allows you to view it from a lens with with more clarity. Um, and, and then you you practice uh, our our product build outs following these guidelines. So what percentage of your strategy and implementation do you think is like similar across customers and, and, you know, what percentage, you know, is, has to be very specific for that customer or that industry? I'll go very broad B2B. Yeah. And and B2B tend to follow the same workflows. It's just the delivery, maybe some timing Mm -hmm. Um, and the promotions will vary. But the concepts, the framework tend to be almost identical. Oh, I'm glad I asked that then. Um, you mentioned earlier data analysis. I think it was in, in reference to the uh, when you were an instructor. Um, out of curiosity, what kind of data and reporting tools do you use for your uh, marketing firm? Well, we have multiple layers and it all depends on the goals and the outcomes, the amount of data that, that we need to manage in our care to get optimal results. Um, but we use like Hotjar, Google Analytics, Agency Analytics, um, you know, heat map, um, and then y- user experience of video recordings of the human eye, how it's working up, down, left, right, what colors it gravitates to based on a per user basis. So all this trending data will really help us optimize the user experience any way we can shorten the path 
um, these utilities, such as agency analytics for SEO and PPC. Um, we use, um, uh, I believe it's uh, Ninja for some paid ads. We use um, a lot of reverse lookups for lead generation. It, it all depends on what the goals and outcomes are. I'm, I'm speaking very loose tongue because if you were to ask me about a specific business or business type, I pretty much know what what systems we need in place to provide better than average results. Perfect. Um, and kind of getting to the end here and just have a few questions. If you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Relevance. That was quick. Uh, can you, can you uh, go into more detail? Yes. So you have an audience, you know, you have a pretty good idea of the range where that audience resides. Um, how do you speak with that audience? That's the first question we ask ourselves. What are they looking for? And then how do we speak to that audience on a per platform basis? Facebook, Insta, right? TikTok, uh, LinkedIn. It's more professional. The tone is different, more serious than Facebook, which is more tongue in cheek, not as serious. Uh, TikTok is more of a I like to call it, you know, gamified um, YouTube, you know, it's a blend of everything. Um, so relevance, you need to be relevant. Your ad copy, your landing page, your website copy, everything has to vertically align. The journey is established. The moment you're outside of those boundaries, you're non-relevant. There's loss, right? So your design copy has to be in line with the goals and objectives, colors need to be relevant. Landing page copy, your taglines, your H1, if it's SEO, everything needs to be vertically aligned based on the keyword, the goal, and the outcome. You can have derivatives of that in micro campaigns or an ad group, but your core, your, your main artery that you're tapping into, if you're non-relevant, they look past you. They look over you. They look to the right or left of you because... Think about it today, right? January 6, 2023, open your email. How much spam do you have to go through to filter through to get to something that's going to catch your eye? Mm -hmm. Facebook, bombarded with information, right? What sticks out? You can remember, like you can, you can be looking at for tennis shoes, for example, performing a search on tennis shoes, your Facebook picks up on your search, Google picks up on your search. That's relevant. There's a reason why you have these retargeting um, features and it follows you. It ghosts you everywhere. It'll shatter you wherever you go, right? Each step you take, you're being followed and ghosted by relevant material. Oh, I visited that website. I saw those shoes here, right? That's relevance. That's mm -hmm. perfection right there. That's a campaign that is articulated well. And, and the, the, the uh, folks behind that campaign know the audience, know what they're looking for, know what they're looking for similar to, right? Upstream, on page, downstream, off page. All of this has to be relevant. Are there any common mistakes that you see other marketers make in that aspect? Not zooming in enough. 
and and over budgeting, underperforming, throwing more money is not going to solve the problem, whether the client has the budget or not. Right. If you ask any CMO, you submit a proposal to a CMO. And in that proposal, you're going to have visitors, right? These are the metrics. I'm going to increase your visitors. I'm going to increase the page, the duration of time spent on a landing page. I'm going to build you a sales funnel, right? I'm going to do all of these things. And at the end, they're going to take your proposal, set it aside, call the next person until someone that comes in with ROAS, return on ad spend. Our goal is to optimize so the relevance, the constant wrenching on all of these assets to, to bear the greatest results, which means sales, booked appointments, right? If it's a professional, they want their calendar filled. It's not about the visits. It's the quality. Uh, if it converts, what's my return on ad spend? Uh-huh. A lot of mistakes, too, is that agencies and uh, freelancers don't really understand business. They wear a PPC hat. They wear an SEO hat. Their results are, I'll get you high rankings. Here you go. I got you on the first page. We're within the top five. Mission accomplished, right? Folks that are not very... Um, goal-driven that understand SEO, true SEO is, I need my profit center keywords, right? Ones that will bear the greatest return on investment that convert into sales, not visits to my site. That's that's not the goal. That's not the metric I'm, I'm managing or monitoring. So they're, they're going to fire you if you can't cover your basis at least and, and uh, shoot for profitability. Yeah, no, great, uh, great answer. And then the last question um, is: any books or podcast recommendations? Uh, can be marketing, doesn't have to be business, philosophy, anything you want. Yes, good to great. <laughs> Perfect. And anything else? Um, you know, I, I follow I follow Grant Cardone, I and know. and the reason why I follow Grant Cardone is he's raw. He's not reading. He's not reading a script. Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, as long as you're not, you know, being convinced that NFTs and crypto is the way to go uh, right now, you know, he's made a lot of mistakes on on that. But the guy is very knowledgeable. He understands media, and it's raw. What you see is what you get. And he's built a successful following and career um, as a result. Self branding. And, and, and I envy them because I, I don't have that type of charisma. I'm a very black and white kind of person. I've, you know, I, I, I know how I am. And uh, uh, I wish I had that type of charisma to uh, build a following um, such as they have been able to accomplish. Yeah, I, I, I love their work. I think Grant Cardone, to me, is, is the epitome of, of brand awareness. He is the brand. Perfect. Uh, I'm still a proponent of uh, the long-term view on NFTs. So, uh, you know, I am too, but you know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, in the very beginning, all those folks that, that bought the, 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 the crypto punks, the monkeys and all that stuff, you know, Logan Paul, they, they've all lost. I mean, I just, there was, a bubble. There was not, I mean, but anytime there's this exciting new technology that you usually get the money grabbers early, 
Um, but yeah, okay, we don't have to go too far but, into, into but, history. But Vader Check's name is on that loss. That's the, that's my point. Right. Current loss might be a might be a gain uh, at some point. I actually do believe in his the restaurant idea that he has. Um, awesome. Well, as we do come up to the end of the episode, I, I just want to really give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you um, and anything else you want to end with. Yes, I'd uh, love to help. Even if you just want some advice, uh, love to give it. If I can help, I will. If I can, I'll tell you and we'll enjoy a cup of coffee together. Visit our website www.akabatechnologies.com and uh, also webxo.io is a new product that we've launched um, and look me up on LinkedIn. I, uh, I, I, I reply very well on LinkedIn more so than any other platform. So, so we learned uh, to get you on here. So uh, thank you so right. much for coming on the show. Uh, and I hope everyone has a great day. Josh, I had a great time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.